Reagan, everyone. Matt Lachlan along with Amanda Stein. Welcome to week three of our Devils podcast. As time keeps ticking away, Flying Amanda. Bye. I it, love it. It is. And we make our way closer to the draft, June mm-hmm. 21st, the Devils selecting first overall. And as we progress there, of course, we'll be focusing on who the Devils may be selecting. It's our little road to the draft, and you're going to get a little insight into the behind the scenes when we talk to Paul Castron later in this uh, podcast. Uh, he's the guy, director of amateur scouting, so he's there all hands on deck. So it's going to be interesting for everyone to get a little bit of insight into how the whole process works. Because even for me, someone who's been here for two years, part of an organization for the first time in my career, there are things that I didn't even realize that go on behind the scenes when it comes to your scouting staff. So stay tuned for that. And we will ask him, Hughes (laughs) or Kako, you'll have to stay tuned for the answer to that. But we begin with a longtime devil. He'll be in his 14th year when the season begins, the devil's captain, Andy Green. And you know, he's the first devil's player I ever interviewed. Really? The first one, yeah. On my first day here, he was the first one uh, when I when I walked in the room, and there he was, and that was sort of it. He's a great guy to work with, too. Well, we'll find out more about him. That was then. This is now <laughs> the Devil's Captain, Andy Green. So, Andy, how does a, a guy who comes off a, a year in which he played in every game, pays the price physically, how do you spend the offseason recovering? Uh, you know, I take a few weeks off, uh, you know, honestly, not as much time as you normally would like, but, uh, usually it starts about two weeks off and then slowly get back into it each week, uh, each day, get, get a little bit more, uh, more active and, uh, a little bit more close to the program that you're trying to get to for the summer. And, uh, then once, once the program really starts, you're, you're full ball, um, you know, all summer long. And, and then obviously for the first uh, I'd say five, six weeks. I'm not on the ice yet, but then maybe once uh, middle of June goes, then you're back on the ice and incorporating everything you need to do to get ready for the season. It's not like you played starting back in the 90s, but how have things changed since you've come into the league in terms of year-round preparation? Yeah, I just think the total focus of uh, the overall your strength program. Uh, I think just the way, way different exercises now, way different way of uh, you know getting your body ready and um, preparing for for the season obviously it's such a different game now too um, with the way the speed and uh, quickness of the game before is a little bit more maybe a little bit heavier game and a little bit slower so you had to be a little bit heavier you know and, and, and make sure your body didn't break down as, as, as much in terms of that and now it's how do you how do you stay as fast and quick and as powerful um, for as long as you can when you talk about those two weeks off that you take, I mean, what does that mean for an athlete to take two weeks off? Because I can't imagine you're just sitting around watching TV. I feel like it's innate to like be active in some kind of way. So for you, when you have those two weeks, what does that consist of? Yeah, the, f- the first <laughs> week is literally nothing. Like, uh, <laughs> y- you know, it's just more of a mental break and mm-hmm. uh, physical too. Yeah, you're, you're just sitting there kind of just not even looking at it, you know, a piece of exercise or... <laughs> If you have to walk long, you're like uh, you're looking for the closest spot at the grocery store. Or, uh, you know, you're you're pretty lazy. And then the second week, it starts like uh, I need to do something. I have to. I need to. I need to just a sweat. You know, I need to do something. You know, whether it's uh, taking the kids for a little bike ride. You know, they get, we got the little seat on the back of the bike. So um, there's some nice hills there in Westfield, as Matt knows. <laughs> so I'll take them over there and just kind of go see, as Colton likes to say, go see some action. You know, see if there's any diggers <laughs> or dump trucks or construction vehicles around and 
And then once, uh, you know, like that second week, now I start getting on the bike a little bit. Just Like I said, just for more of a sweat and just to do something and maybe do some uh, body weight exercises and, and stretching and maybe some yoga or Pilates or something like that. And then um, sure enough, <laughs> third week, uh, right back into it. So it's always you can't keep us off for too long. It's true. It's like never ending. It's yeah. a never ending cycle. Yeah, because someone's always gaining on you. That's part of it, too, right? You won't, you want to be at your best, but you know somebody's maybe trying yeah, to track you down. Yeah, 100%. Whether people are still playing in playoffs or, um, you know, they're, other guys are starting to get back into their programs that didn't make the playoffs. So it's just, uh, you know, you can't fall too far behind. You know, you'd love to take a month off or something like that, but it's just you can't afford it. And um, also I think it's mentally we're, we're not wired that way. We can't do that, uh, especially when you're programmed for – eight months every single day to be ready to be, uh, you know, at your best or in, in best possible position or shape. Uh, so it's tough to sit there and, and, and do that. Do you take time off watching hockey or keeping in tune with what's going on around the league that you play in? Uh, I, I do watch it. I, it's it, Playoff hockey is just so good. It's tough not to watch it. Uh, it's so um, exciting. It's so – it's – Especially, obviously, every every year it seems to get more unpredictable. Yeah. Um, the way the way the games are, the way the series are, and uh, the way how many upsets there were in the first round. You know, who would have predicted? Now the game would predicted that. And um, I am a fan of the game. It's tough watching, uh, obviously, certain teams and certain players just because you you battle with them so hard and uh, you respect them, but you hate them a little bit. And, <laughs> you, and you know, it's just it, it gets tough sometimes. It's okay. Sports needs a yeah. healthy yeah, dose of hate. No, it's, yeah, no, it, it's it's good. Um, like you said, you you do respect almost all the players you play against. Uh, I like the caveat. Yeah, sometimes obviously there's a few that you just uh, you know you wouldn't you wouldn't stop on the side of the road if you had to. So, um, but uh, it's it's like I said, it's it's too good of hockey to not watch, um, and I enjoy it. But uh, obviously Rachel gets sick of it really quick. Uh, I think it's about the second week there. She's like, "Are you watching way more hockey than usual?" Uh, and I, I didn't think I did, but maybe I was. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, how do you balance that? Yeah, for sure. So you mentioned Rachel, you mentioned, uh, your one son, you have two boys. How has fatherhood changed Andy Green? Uh, it's awesome. I, I love it. I mean, if, uh, you know, obviously it's, it's a way different schedule. Uh, you're not <laughs> no longer on your own schedule and, uh, it's, it's, how do you keep them? How do you keep them, uh, you know, fed healthy and, how do you get them to sleep? You know, like basically I feel like that's our whole life is how do you keep them happy, you know, or, or, or not happy. They need a little, they need a little adversity in their lives too. But uh, how do you, you know, how do you keep them healthy and how do you keep them, uh, you, you know, alive? And and I say this respect. It's a primary. My honestly, my wife used to say when I would take the kids out, and we have three boys, but you know, it was two and then a little gap before the third. At any rate, if I left the house, she said, if you leave with two, you have to come back with two. That, that, was, that was mandatory. But athletes, and I say this respectfully, in many ways, you have to be selfish. You, you have to think about, especially during the season, being at your best. And so everything is surrounding that. And now here come a wife. Fine. She understands that. She's married into the sport. But now two kids who... It's got to change a little bit. I'm, I won't say it makes you less selfish, but it it has to change the perspective a little bit. No, uh, it does 100. Uh, luckily, um, you know Rachel's unbelievable. But uh, it, it's tough because you know you get in some nights from a road trip at you know one, two, three in the morning, and 
all of a sudden, sure enough, you can hear, you know, <laughs> 7.30, you can hear the, the elephants all of a sudden, are, you know, our 30-pound kids sound like they're elephants downstairs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they're screaming, they're having a good time, they're just, you know, eating breakfast, having fun, and it's tough. But at the same time, you know, I need to get some sleep because we have a game, not necessarily the, maybe that, that day, but the next day. And, uh, you know, it's just how do you balance that with, um, you know, missing – watching your kids interact and play and, and be there for them. And, uh, and, and how do you, it's a balance, you know, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you balance that? How which, do you, you, which you don't have before you get, uh, before you have children. For yeah, sure. There's yeah, something yeah. with the marriage, of course, but yeah. children change the dynamic. Yeah. They, you know, they don't, Colton doesn't really understand. He's like, why do you always leave? Well, you know, why do you travel? You know, you're just, you, he, I mean, he gets, he obviously he's a little bit older. He's three and a half now. And he he gets it a little bit, uh, but you know, sometimes like, why, mommy, why is daddy, why is our daddy travel all the time? You know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's tough. Obviously, he knows, and and then that that's kind of too. Now after the season's done, that's where, um, you know, a lot of times where I try to help out way more than I could during the season. You know, whether it's waking up with the kids in the morning or uh, taking them to school or picking them up or uh, just little things like that. It's just how do I give Rachel a break a little bit? Um, you know, she grinds probably harder than we do during the season with uh, just being by herself, obviously, on those long road trips and whatnot. So it's just how to how do I pick up the slack a little bit there and how do I uh, have more, uh, you know, father-son time, too, with them and then even, you know, more, you know, enough alone time for just me and, me and Rachel. Is Colton, your, your oldest son, is he getting into hockey? You know, you talked a little bit about that. You mentioned a little bit about that there, but it, does he understand what you do and is he does he, like, display a passion for it? Yeah, he's getting there. Uh, you know, I try to bring him up here skating every once in a while, just get him on the ice. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Travis's, uh, you know, Trav uh, had two birthday parties first on uh, Zenon and Veronica, and they did it at a roller skating uh, mm-hmm. rink. So, we, you know, I took him for the day or took him to part birthday party and got him on the roller skates. And um, it was different. You know, he was on roller skates at the yeah. four, you know, the four wheel one, the quads, uh, the quads yeah. not like the four in a row. Uh, so it was a little different getting him on there and obviously there was a blue door in the corner and that's what I think he was more, most fascinating with was a blue door in the corner of the ice or the skating rink there. And then obviously he saw the, uh, the, the, the game machines, the arcade, and that's all he really wanted. So I made a game out of, game out of it to see how much he could skate and I got him up and he started skating everywhere. Like he'd been on skates the whole time for the first 20 minutes. I thought my back was going to give out cause I had to hold him the whole time, you know? So he um, he can do a lot of the things. He's stubborn like a lot of kids, and he just wants to do different things. He, you know, he, I want to let, let him do it and enjoy it himself, and let him figure it out himself too at the same time, right? So, would you be more excited to be on an ice rink with him or on a golf course with him? Because we know that uh, Andy Green loves his golf game. Yeah, uh, <laughs> depends. You know, obviously during the season, I'd love to have him. Uh, on the rink with me all the time, and when we get back to Michigan here, I'll get him, uh, get him a little set of golf clubs and uh, take him out. But I, the reason why I take him out, you know, I want him to enjoy it and learn it, and so something that obviously golf's more of a lifetime sport, right? Something yeah. that you can do, you know, when I'm 70 years old. Hopefully, I can still swing a golf club and play with him. You know, it's something that uh, hockey. Obviously, once we get to a certain age, I won't be able to do it. Uh, you know, as, as fluidly as uh, I do it now, or you know, obviously bones start to uh, joints start to hurt a little bit as you get older. Um, so it's just something that, you know, and obviously if he's out there with me, means I get to be on the golf course too. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way I look at it too. How much golf do you play? I mean, I know you're, uh, you know, there's a lot of golf guys in the locker room. I, it just <laughs> depends on, honestly, there, it's weird. Sometimes during the summer I'll play a lot in a week or two week span. 
And then another, you know, I won't play for a week or two just because of weather or family or, you know, like we have a lot of visitors. It's just, um, it just depends. It goes in spurts, obviously. Uh, Rachel thinks I play way too much. I don't think I play enough. So it, it's a fine line there. Still too, finding so. that yeah. balance. Yeah, exactly. What so, are you playing to? What handicap are you playing to? Right I'm now? at uh, right around a four right now. My index is so. Um, for some reason, like four or five years ago, I was down to like a one, nine, two. And then all of a sudden the last three or four years, it's gone shot up for some reason. So yeah, well, you know. I think kids will do that to you. Absolutely. So. You can't get out there regularly. <laughs> Who's the best golfer on the team? Uh, I would say, um, uh, there's a group of us that are all pretty, literally if we play well, you know, it's pretty evenly. Um, I would say before Jojo got traded, he, mm-hmm. he was probably the best, uh, he was probably somewhere around that two uh, two index. So, I, like I said, though, if he if I play really well and he has a slight off day, I think it could be you know it's, it's pretty comparable. You know, it's really it's not. There's no one really, uh, you know, head and head and shoulders above everyone. But uh, we get we get some pretty good games going, so it's fun. Anybody you hope doesn't call you for a game, like their game is like, oh no, you're not. You're, like, I, I know you're trying. This. Maybe you're just picking it up, but you're just not. No, no, I don't. Uh, I so who's the worst? That's what I'm yeah, getting. Yeah. At. No, who's honestly, the worst golfer? I don't care how uh, how bad you are, as long as you play quick. I, I you know, no, seriously I'm though, with, like, no, totally. I, you know, it, golf's hard enough as it is. You know, like. It just for me, it's how fast or slow you play a little bit. I mean, you don't just sit there and play speed golf, but uh, it, it probably doesn't shock you. Uh, Sammy's a human rain delay a little bit. Uh, <laughs> he's he's very methodical out there, but he's a very good golfer. So it, it's kind of like Sammy, come on, man, let's let's pick it up a little bit here, you know. But it's funny. He's it's we all have fun. We all have a good time. Yeah. It's uh, it's just funny. You, you think the the way Sammy is in life, he's very easygoing, very laid back, and then you get him out there, and he's. Uh, you know, rocket scientist with uh, all of his calculations and what he's trying to do. But the Bryson like checking the angles. Yeah, well, the, the, wind be- pressure. the best part is he he plays everything in meters, which is fine. Okay, that's so, good. So yeah, obviously, except he, if he's giving you the read. With no, this yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. So he'll ask Welcome us. Welcome to my life. Guys. Like, okay. so, so he'll ask us what uh, you know, like. How many yards? I'm like, same. Doesn't matter. You got meters. You have a gun. You know, he has got the range finder. I'm like, don't worry about us. You got your meters. You got your gun. Like, you know, yeah. do do your do what you need to do. It's just funny. He always asks what it is in yards, and he asks what. Then he doesn't shoots in meters. I'm like, eh. <laughs> you that's can, Sammy. Yeah, you can kick that. You can drop that step out of there. So yeah. Uh, as we record this, you're wearing a Detroit Tigers cap. We know you're a Michigan guy, Trenton, Michigan. Your wife's a Midwestern girl from Indiana, right? Yep, Indianapolis. Yeah, Indianapolis. Uh, so we either see you in a Tiger's cap or a Devil's <laughs> cap, right? Did you ever think at one point when you were growing up, was there a dream to play for the Tigers? Uh, no, I think uh, I, was, I, grew ba- I grew up playing baseball all the way up till uh, my sophomore, junior year of high school. Um, then I kind of had to make a decision because obviously our high school season done and we went right into baseball, and that was the year that I went to go play for CompuWare in the North American, not in the defunct North American Hockey League. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of had to make a decision. I wanted to go play hockey, and then obviously if I went there, the, their season was still going on, so I had to make a decision. But growing up, uh, obviously I was just a huge Tigers fan. I, I knew hockey was my passion. Uh, I loved baseball, but it was more of a thing to do during the summer. Uh, I loved it. I was pretty good at baseball, uh, but uh, like I said, I was more more into hockey from the start. What position and what Tigers were your faves? Uh, honestly, I played everything in, in, in baseball growing up, uh, younger, I was kind of a shortstop catcher. Uh, and then as I got older, more of a center fielder, uh, or left fielder and, uh, and caught, and caught a little bit too. Um, uh, favorite Tigers growing up, uh, obviously big Cecil fielder. Uh, I remember him 
hitting uh, home runs out of the old Tiger Stadium over the roof there and uh, a lot of those uh, old guys there and uh, more recently, obviously, I was a big uh, Justin Verlander fan. Loved, I just loved the way he pitched. I loved the way he continues to pitch. Obviously, for the Astros now, and uh, a lot of guys there. Uh, they just, they're just, they had a good run there from like 2006 to, you know, 12, 13 there, uh, where they were, you know, made two or three World Series, and unfortunately never got the job done. But uh, you know, it was, it was really exciting to go to that uh, Comerica Ballpark there in Detroit. Do you do you like going to baseball games during the summer? Do you take that in as an experience? I do. I love going there. Uh, usually try to get to a few a summer. Like I said, it all depends, too, because sometimes when we come in through Detroit, they might be on a road trip or they're yeah. out of town. So it just depends. I, and obviously, uh, before the kids, we went a lot more. Um, uh, my colleague, I have a couple of buddies that li- literally live right down the right downtown there, almost right down the street, literally two blocks from where we stay when we yep. go to Detroit there. Um so it's just fun to time to meet up with them and hang out and uh I don't know it, it's it's there's something about going to a baseball game that's pretty unique uh just to see the field the uh, um I don't know it just maybe reminds me growing up going to Old Tiger Stadium yeah. with family my dad my brothers and my mom and stuff like that too I had so. a chance once to go to Tiger Stadium I'm glad I did you know <laughs> that old ballpark of, which is knocked down this a little memorial there I guess uh, where it was uh, as you were near where we stay in Detroit but you bring up a point. I hear people in the media. The media will say this game is taking too long, and, and maybe attendance is down, and so maybe there is something to it. I don't really hear fans complaining too often because yeah. you're out there on a summer's day. Weather's nice. Yeah. You're just chilling. The game is – it moves, but it's not a fast-paced yeah. game, and it's just – it can be relaxing. I, I hear more people involved with the game complaining because maybe they have to do it 162 yeah. times a, a year uh, than the fans do. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, like you said, you go there for the experience. Uh, and I, I don't know, maybe that was one of the things I loved about uh, going to watch Justin Verlander pitch. He, he gets on the mound. He doesn't mess around. He gets up there. If, if you blink, you're going to miss a pit. You know, you're going to miss two pitches almost for how fast he works. And um, I, I just, I don't know. I just, I go there knowing it's going to be a little bit longer. It's a drawn out process. I'm not going there to, you, you know, watch a you know a speed game or something mm-hmm. like that. It's mm-hmm. just there, watch it and see how it is, and just uh, take it all in. Uh, I enjoy that stuff, and obviously for us, for being a fast-paced uh, <laughs> life that we live throughout the season, you know, it's nice just yeah. to go there and yeah. watch, sit down, you know, maybe have one beer and uh, or two uh, <laughs> or three, you know, you know, depending on how all long right. the game <laughs> how long the game takes, <laughs> and, and you know, just uh, just enjoy it. So hopefully, we're we're trying to time it out when we go back. Uh, uh, in a few weeks to get uh, get Cole into his first Tiger game there. To say, cool. I'm trying to get him away from the uh, – <laughs> they have some carousels there and some uh, Ferris wheels there. Hopefully we can get there after <laughs> – uh, get him in the seat and maybe take him there because he won't sit down once he sees no, all that, that stuff. That's so for sure. I feel like I've been convinced through this conversation that maybe I shouldn't have kids. It just seems like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> just seems great like joy. I don't know if I'm joy. willing to give no, up it's, all my It's my awesome. Freedom. No, honestly, it's, it's it's awesome. You know, when you, uh, you know, I walk in the door today, you, you know, they hear the door slam, they come running at you and, uh, you know, they both jump in your arms and it's just, uh, you know, it's something that uh, it's funny. uh Rachel the other day left for like two hours. Uh, she went to go get a haircut, literally. So I had the boys, and it was just she came walking in. Maddox oh was Maddox was mad at her. Colton didn't even look at her, and she's like, "What? What is this? This is not fair. I leave once for two hours, and the kids hate me. You know, not hate me, yeah. but you know, they're they're mad at him. Not you know, I leave for you know ten days and come home for a day. Come leave for another five Running days. Yeah, the they door. literally like they jump at me, and literally we're sitting there eating dinner, and Maddox was uh, sitting to her left. 
basically where Maddie is here. And, and every time uh, Rachel would look at, at Maddox, he'd give her the stink eye. He'd look away <laughs> as fast as he, as fast as he could. And I was just, we were just, he's like, what the, you know, she's like, this is not cool. And we did it for like first 10, 15 minutes of dinner. I was dying. I was not gonna lie. I was dying laughing. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious, but, uh, you know, it's just, it's funny, you know, they're just, the like I said, the way they, they, you know, they, they see you when they walk in and, uh, you know, they see, you see their faces light up. It's not something that you can replace with anything. Hey, time's running short. So, uh, this will be the last one. Uh, devils fans want to hear a little bit about devil. So not so much what happened last year. Let's put that in the rear view mirror, but what are you looking forward to as September? It's on the horizon, but nearer <laughs> than I, I think we all realize. Yeah. Just to see everything play out this summer. Uh, obviously, um, you know, winning the, winning the draft lottery there, you get two good, um, two guys, obviously that everyone is the consensus number one and two, whether it's Hughes or uh, Capo there. And uh, just to be interesting to see them, See how they uh, they play in the World Championships here, and, and and see how they they react in certain situations there, and then just see everything play out. Obviously, it's tough now to forecast what's going to happen throughout the summer, and uh, whether it's uh, the draft, free agency, trades, uh, or anything like that, or once even training camps uh, starts, the the storylines that develop and that create their own stories at that point. Whether someone comes in and uh, like we've talked about before, like a Jesper Brad that came in two years ago and created uh, you know what he what he's done here the last two years, it's uh, very exciting time. Uh, obviously, like you said, we, we put last year behind, we learned from it. Uh, now we focus on how we improve and how we get better this, uh, you know, in this upcoming season. Greeny, thanks for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. So Andy was your first devil's interview. <laughs> we just spent 20 minutes or so with him. How did it compare to the first? Were you <laughs> I definitely nervous less nervous. Definitely less nervous. Just because the first time I interviewed him, like we mentioned, was the first time I ever did an interview as a member of the team myself. And so I was I was just nervous. You, you don't want to screw up. You want to get everything right. I and mean, it's just innate in, in me and in anyone who's doing their job. So now it's a little more relaxed. You got two years under your belt. They kind of, you know, when you and I are really lucky that we get to travel with the team. So you spend more time with them than really your own family oh, and sure. the people that you see, you know, that are close to you in your life. So, ah, oh, this was, this was a piece <laughs> of cake. This was a piece of cake. And Andy's just so easy. He's just such a laid back guy. I'm sure you could tell from the interview as well that he's just... Just Andy. Yeah, just just Andy. Now he has no draft day stories. No, undrafted. Because he was undrafted, yeah. uh, signed by the Devils out of Miami of Ohio. But our next guest has a lot of draft stories. <laughs> a ton, and he shared some of them with us, and some really good ones. And we tried, everybody. We tried to get him to let us know what direction the organization is leaning. And you'll be really interested <laughs> in how he approaches this one. Yeah, I think Twitter is going to blow up <laughs> yeah. on this. Paul Castron is the Devils' director of amateur scouting. It's the elephant in the room. So, of course, we start with the big question. Paul, thanks very much for giving us some of your time at a very busy period of uh, the hockey organization's life. And yours personally, of course, is the director of amateur scouting. Let's get right to the chase. Hughes or Kako? Come on, tell the whole world who, who are the Devils drafting number one on June 21st. We're trying to get the second pick. We'll get both of them. Oh, oh nice. Perfect. There, send Breaking out some news. intrigue. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, I can see as soon as this gets out, the Twitterverse is going to blow up. I'm like, uh, misconstrue. <laughs> all, director of Amateur Scouting says. <laughs> trying to get, hey, why not if you could? But yeah. uh, 
All right, so let's, let's just talk then about the, the two individual players, and then we'll break down the rest of the draft and how you compile your list and the work you do with your staff. A lot of our listeners, I think, are coming off the recent experience with the U18s. They saw what Jack Hughes did, fully convinced he's the number one guy. Central Scouting has said the same thing. What makes him such a good candidate for that number one spot? And then we'll get to the finish forward. Well, he's an unbelievable skater for starters. Um, the way he plays the game with pace, with and without the puck, is just its amazing and fun to watch. Like, he really does bring fans out of their seats. Like when, And as a scout, when we're in the rink, when he gets on the ice, you know he's on the ice, whether he has the puck or not, whether he's circling to get a pass or carrying the puck. He's just so dynamic out there. And, I mean, the offensive production and scoring chances are – Every shift, something good happens for this kid. How often, as a scout, have you been pulled out of your seat, <laughs> drawn to the edge of your seat for a player? Well, over the years, it's been a long time, but some pretty good players. Paul Correa was probably the first one when I first started scouting. Played at the University of Maine, and he put up 100 points in college, which is, I'm not sure it's been done since, and that's quite a while ago. He was so dynamic, and lightning fast and um i remember my time in columbus we had nikolai zhurdev who was when i first saw him he's a big guy but so fast and so skilled so terrific players that you can relate to in in what jack Hughes has done in terms of bringing you out of your seat but people will think about zhurdev i think he was selected fourth overall correct that that first round and he never 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 quite happened for him which i think speaks to Sometimes what happens in scouting, uh, but what happened in that circumstance with Nick? Yeah, he was probably not the most committed athlete that we've ever had, and it was certainly not a lack of talent or opportunity because he was given that with a number of teams, not just ours in Columbus. And he actually produced fairly well for, you know, I know in, in Philly he had 25 goals and almost played on the fourth line. He was just so gifted, but just didn't uh, commit off the ice the mm. way, you know, these athletes have to to be successful or, or to be a star. Yeah, Pro- probably the one thing that frustrates coaches, fans, maybe even fellow players when you see somebody with that toolbox mm-hmm. and they don't do the work necessary to get the most out of it. You're like, oh, my God, what, what you should be able to do with that. And yet it, it just doesn't happen. Like he, he literally would undress defensemen for fun at the National Hockey League level, which was scary. But the consistency wasn't there. And that was that was disappointing because I remember the first time I saw him, it was at the Ivan Holinka Summer Tournament, and Rick Nash was on Canada. And he was on the Russian team. And I remember saying to Don Boyd, who was our director of scouting in Columbus, can you imagine if you ever got these two? <laughs> and they were, one was a late birthday, and we actually did get both of them. Yeah. And you would think that would have been a recipe for a lot of success, and it just didn't uh, didn't happen for the kid. Yeah, the fickle world at times of athletics. But if you don't put in the work, it doesn't matter what you've been gifted with. So let's move for a moment to uh, Capo Caco. Uh, considered to be the second choice, maybe it's 1-1-A. Uh, what makes him so special? Well, he's a bigger kid, um, but also very talented. And the kid's a winner. He's won at every level. And unfortunately, we didn't get to see them go head-to-head at the under-18s because he, he made the national team, the men's national team. 
And because he won the World Juniors this year and won the under-18s last year, he opted not to play this year, which was disappointing. But I guess you can understand it a little bit. But I thought for the kids in his age group, it would have been nice to play with those kids again. Because last year he was an underage, so he's playing with older kids. And, you know, they had a rough tournament. They won one game. So obviously not having him made a huge disappointment for the Finnish team. When you look at the world championship, is that something as a scout, particularly being able to draft in that first overall position, that excites you to see how those two guys go up against each other? It it does, but it's not the end of the world either. You can put as much stock into it as you want. I I wouldn't put too much into it. It's a body of work. It's a long year. Both have uh, impacted the game whenever they're, whatever team they're at level or age group they've been on. They've been dominant players and, uh, probably headed that way for the National Hockey League as well. When Bill Daly is on TV and he turns over that final card that shows the New Jersey Devils logo, first overall, how did that? what was the domino effect for you and your scouting staff at that very moment? Well, my phone blew up, for, for starters. <laughs> I was actually at the same restaurant I was two years ago when, With Nico. when, when Ray pulled the lottery went off again for Nico so it was uh it was interesting but uh you know the you're obviously excited I mean we get to pick who we want not who not who's left over at least for the first pick anyways and uh that makes it exciting for the staff I know the guys were pretty pumped up wherever they were that most of the guys were at games playoff games and the juniors are pros but they uh they were all excited, and like I said, my phone was blowing up pretty good. <laughs> does it make it different? Uh, you get to choose who you want. Does does it take the pressure off? Does it increase the pressure because it is the number one pick? I think it increases. You know, I mean, you know, no different than when we picked Nico. There were other players in the mix, and you know, their careers aren't defined in one year. It takes a number of years for these kids to. You know, sometimes, you know, they a lot of the high picks play in the NHL right away. Some do, some don't. But uh, that cr- that crop has been pretty good already. You know, we got to see McCarr come after his college season and step in and have a big impact with Colorado. And Heiskanen had a great year. I think Patrick's had some up and down, you know, hockey with some injuries. He's battled. But he, he plays hard. But he's also skilled. And, you know, our guys are have nothing but good things to say about Nico. I know you guys are around him a lot too, and he's a quality kid, character kid, and great leader for our team as a young player. I mean, it's hard to believe he's just turned 21, I think, right? 20. Just turned 20. 20. Just turned 20. Yeah, 20. Yeah, he's in early yeah. January, yeah. So, And it seems like he's been here for five, six years already. <laughs> so, But he's such a he great kid. He's the one of those guys they say mature behind, uh, beyond his yeah, years, right? He's, just, uh, he's, he's got awesome. that uh, outlook and approach. This is considered to be, get back to it, about the depth in the draft. Are these the two, Hughes and Kako, seems what I've read, most NHL ready? Or as this is a deep draft, and listen, you got to prove it, but would you say these are the two guys that right now would have the chance to step in right away next year? Uh, I think there's a couple other guys. There's a couple big forwards out west. They're pretty high-end skill-wise and uh, young defensemen in Vancouver had led the playoffs in scoring, 
which is, uh, I don't know if it's ever happened in the Western League. We have the first pick. The Devils have the first pick. Um, But that doesn't mean you can eliminate who might be sixth on your list from scrutiny at this point, correct? Because you don't know what will happen. So your work work is still ongoing Uh, beyond the depth in the draft, just even what might happen later in the first round. Well, we were we were arguing today at number four, like who we we're, you know, putting four. We know we're picking one. We could say, oh, it doesn't matter where, who goes four, but we went 15, 20 minutes on that one pick, you know. So we, we want to get it right because, like you said, anything can happen. I mean, you don't expect to get another pick that high. You know, you'd have to make a pretty huge trade to, to get another pick that high, but... You know, the scouts take a lot of pride in the order of the list. And after the, you know, first half of the first round, we usually get somebody in the second round that we might have in the 20 range, 2022. 20, one of those guys is likely to be there at 34. So it's, it's important to the guys to get the list in the right order. And they take a lot of pride in it, like I said. How many hockey games would you say you see in a given year? <laughs> I think 200 is probably, a, wow. you know, with all the tournaments and everything like that. And, you know, some guys in different areas have more tournaments, whether it's high school or, you know, tier two junior leagues where, you know, some weekends a guy could see 30 games. In one weekend? That, that's not me, but. <laughs> <laughs> no, like some of those tournaments, they start at eight in the morning and they right. run all day for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the guys are. You know, those aren't always the warmest rinks or the nicest <laughs> spots. But, you know, the guys really do work hard, and uh, they love what they do, though. I mean, these guys that on the scouting staff have a lot of passion for the game, and it's it's a, it's a good group, and we, we enjoy what we do. What's the key to putting together um, your scouting staff, the one that you can really rely on? What what are you looking there when you when you talk about the scouts that you want? Well, like I just mentioned, guys that love the game and have passion for the game. And, you know, I've worked with guys that didn't necessarily play at a high level all the time. Everyone thinks, oh, you had to play in the NHL, but that's mm-hmm. not the case. I mean, there's there's guys that never played that are GMs, you know. So it's uh, guys that have passion for the game. And then when we get to building the list, guys that pound the table for their guy and really believe that their guy has a chance to be an NHL player. Why is that that important for you? Why do you see that as an important characteristic? Well, first of all, the guys, we trust the guys that we work with and they know the game. So when somebody's really pounding the table, you know that there's something that they've seen. Because I, myself and Gates, try and go around and see all the guys. Gates Orlando. Gates Orlando and recommend us to come and see. Mm -hmm. We might not get a good game when we go there. So in the end... They see him 15 times. We see him five. We're we're leaning on them for their viewings and their evaluations. So, like Ty Smith is a perfect example. I mean, these guys, you know, Ty was a smaller defenseman, skilled, put up a lot of numbers, um, and these guys saw him a ton, and they were just passionate about this kid. And it's only one year, and he hasn't played yet, but. He looks like he's got a good chance to be a big part of our future. Who spoke the loudest in that room for Ty Smith? <laughs> well, both of our Western scouts, Joe Ferris and Andy Schneider, both uh, 
And Glenn Dirk, I don't know if you ever met Glenn Dirk. He's a, he's a part-time Western scout who's been with the team for it's been a long time. A long time. He doesn't come to the meetings anymore. He doesn't I don't think he likes to fly, so <laughs> but he's uh he's a really good scout and he's black and white. He either likes you or he doesn't. And that that goes for people. Not just, not <laughs> don't just, look at me. You don't know him. <laughs> but you know what? You'll get to meet him because he, he's from Vancouver. Oh, well, that's true. So perfect. Yeah. Well, well great. You just set me up for it. <laughs> but there is something to be said about that. Can play, can't play, right? I mean, yeah. there are things that go into that, but either you can or you can't, right? Right. Um, who breaks the tie? Ooh. Is that you? Not always. No. <laughs> uh, you know, sometimes it comes down to, well, Ray can break the tie anytime he wants. Well, yeah, yeah that's that's the organizational chart. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, Fitzy and Dan are in there too, and Fitzy doesn't see a lot of amateurs, but he sees some, and they challenge us, they challenge the scouts, and if they see something they don't think translates to the NHL, they, they'll, they'll question us. And uh, sometimes the tie is broken by somebody in an area that sees a guy more and but saw the – a guy from another area because not everybody gets to every you know area of the country to see the guys so um we collaborate mm-hmm. it's a it's a good we have a good system you know it's a collaboration is the best word i can use and I, I would imagine in this day and age too with the use of technology in terms of being able to watch you know you can't go to every game like you said right. you can't see every player but you can certainly i'm sure get highlights and packages and whether it's your I don't know who puts those things together but it gives you a little bit more insight I would imagine than maybe when you started oh exactly there's so many more resources and uh, Scott Harris and Kate Madigan put all that together for us like I can hop on a plane and have downloaded games for players that played the night before and you know they can get us anything very quickly and you know even all the websites now like the CHL all their Mm -hmm. games are the highlights at least are, are up there the same night even now, you know, just for the goals alone. But they, they can – Scott and Kate can break it down to one-player shifts and stuff and makes it easy for us. So it's it's a helpful tool. There's no question. Uh, it's, it's amazing and wonderful to see what the organization has done over the years to – well, first, technology has come along, but but still, the addition of scouts, more European scouts, more amateur scouts, just mm-hmm. the work that's been put in to make this organization better. Uh, and so you get down toward this date of June 21st. Is is there, because of the amount of time from winning the lottery to the draft, can you overthink it at all? Uh, I don't think so. I think they moved the lottery up this year, which kind of helps, you know, all the teams. Sure. Yeah, you know, because a lot of teams, you know, basically could waste a lot of money chasing players mm-hmm. they might not have a chance at by moving it up to the start of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, you get they used to do it after the under eighteen tournament, which was like you know beginning of May. Guys are chasing players around for a month that they don't really have to. Yeah, once, then you wind up yeah. eighth and yeah, yeah spent <laughs> all that money in time. exactly. So it, it helped that way. I don't think you overthink it. There's there's still some hockey to be played. The Memorial Cup's still going on. There's a Tier 2 championship, the USHL championship. So, And, you know, this year is an exception, having two kids eligible for the draft playing in the men's world. So still some evaluation to be done. 
when do you think, and maybe maybe there is no answer, but when do you know this is our decision? This is who we're picking? And does it sort of depend on where you're picking in the draft? I mean, obviously, if you're picking later in the draft, guys come off the board. But right. with a number one, as you went through two years ago, when do you know, okay, this is our guy? Well, two years ago, nobody knew till the, the day of. So that, that was uh, kind of unique. And uh, I don't think it'll be much different this time around. We'll do all our homework, all our due diligence right up to the – the last day and once we we meet the day of the the book will get finalized uh, the night before the draft and but the guys don't see the book till the, they get to the draft so, <laughs> so they, no more discussion they won't know until they get to the table yeah exactly well so. listen regardless of who is selected it's going to be a great yeah. night yeah. for the new jersey devils as the uh, the influx of talent continues, plus all the picks that are in the second yeah, round. Who knows how or if Ray will use them as chips for other deals. But the fact of the matter is uh, it's not just the number one overall pick. There's a lot of work uh, yeah, that you guys have been doing to continue to bring in players in a very exciting weekend in Vancouver, beginning with the 21st. Yeah, we're, we're excited. And Ray you know, made a couple trades to get us some extra picks. So three seconds and two-thirds, you can really improve your hockey club. Last chance before we let you go, and thank you for your time. Last chance. Who are we picking? Hughes or Kako? Uh, we're undecided right now. We're going to crack Kaz. But you got to ask. <laughs> Maybe we would have lulled him and he would have slipped. Anyway, Paul, thanks very much for your time and uh, continued success with the Devils, and we're looking forward to that draft in Vancouver. Yeah, as we are. Thanks for having me. Well, we tried both at the Twice. beginning. <laughs> And at the end with Paul. But honestly, we knew that he would play it kind of the way he did because there's still some things that need to be looked at. I I will give this organization credit, Ray Shiro, Paul Castron. Look, they may have an inkling, but Mm -hmm. they're going to do their due diligence and there's still a little time. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, they just went through this two years ago. So it's nothing new for them in terms of making that ultra, you know, big decision. It's not like a player lands in your lap because a team takes someone first overall and then it just, the next player falls to you. This is a big decision. And so they're going to do their due diligence. And we, we know that about them. And think about it. Paul says upwards of 200 games a year. It's he crazy. Sees. It's- Our season's 82 games. <laughs> he sees, you know, almost three times that amount by and the video that he's looking at right yeah. he says that he's on planes yeah. and he's watching video at and the some same of our time. scouts 30 games a weekend that's not i actually had to like ask him to like repeat that because i was like wait did i hear that right and then he says no they they'll go to a tournament that starts at 8 a.m and they're there until nine o'clock Amazing. at night it's the unsung heroes really yeah they absolutely. put in a lot of leg work a lot of video work a lot of inaction uh on the scene work and uh, just incredible but no organization can succeed without it and uh this ownership group has expanded that area yeah. and paul does a terrific job and We know we're going to get a good one. We'll just see who it is on June 21st. So that'll wrap things up for this week. Amanda, enjoy the rest of your week. Thank you. You too, Maddie. And thanks, of course, to Andy Green and Paul Castron. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.